Hi, I'm Kyle Caldwell, and this is On The Money, a weekly look at how to get the best out of your savings and investments. In this episode, I'm joined by Sam Benstead to talk about technology stocks, which I'm sure the majority of you hold in some form or other. Also in the studio is Felix Wintle, who is the fund manager of the VT Tyndall North American Fund. I suppose the first thing to ask Sam is why fund managers tend to love technology stocks so much. What's the attraction? I'd highlight a couple of things. The first one is that technology companies tend to be quite asset light. A lot of their a lot of their value is actually in software. So that means that once they've built a product, the next customer doesn't actually cost much for them, but actually does bring in a lot of revenue. This means that profit margins are far higher than other business areas. Take um, a car company, for example, they've got to build a new car for every customer but somebody like Microsoft has already built its office suite. So adding a new customer costs nothing, but they still get the same incremental um, revenue boost. The other big draw is that there's lots of growth available in the technology sector. The theory is that they are, they're operating in new areas um, so that they can actually invest and create new business opportunities. This might be something like artificial intelligence or self-driving cars, cloud computing, all relatively new areas with lots of potential for growth. And this means that investors are happy to pay up for technology stocks because they think that profits will keep growing quickly. Now, Felix, he's taking a bearish stance on tech. He doesn't have any exposure to any of the major US technology companies. But one high profile investor who's doing the opposite is Teddy Smith, who runs Fundsmith Equity. He's been buying technology shares to take advantage of the share price falls that have materialised over the past year or so in response to increases in interest rates. Sam, could you talk us through this? Yeah, so Terry Smith refutes the idea that he's a technology investor, but he actually has been adding a lot of technology stocks recently. These include companies like Amazon, Apple, Alphabet, Adobe. They're all giant established companies and he would describe them as quality businesses rather than speculative technology. So they've got reliable profits, good growth prospects, um, loyal customers and established products which people just keep going back to. He's less focused on their categorization as technology companies and more interested in what they are doing today and how they can keep on doing it. All of these shares have become quite a lot cheaper over the past year, so it's been very active and buying the dip in them, but they still are relatively expensive versus the market. So Felix, you're adopting a contrarian stance at the moment. You don't have any exposure to the big seven tech names, meta platforms, which is of course Facebook, Apple, Netflix, Microsoft, Amazon, and Alphabet, which is obviously Google, and also Tesla. So your view is that the era of dominance for these stocks is now over. Could you explain why? My view is that I think sometimes investors get very comfortable with the idea of business cycles, the economic cycle, things come in and out of uh, um, importance, but sometimes they forget the stock cycle as well. And these seven stocks you just mentioned have been completely dominant in terms of performance and uh, uh, and size in the US market for at least the last 10 years, some much longer. And when you look through history, you see that when stocks do dominate, if, if you're very lucky, you get a stock or two that dominates for a decade. It's normally a bit shorter, but 
the, 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 the issue I have is that if you look through history, it's very rare um, that stocks can dominate for a, a, a period of time longer than a decade. And I think that's where we are right now with, with these stocks. And, and what makes me confident about that call is that the fundamentals of these companies are already deteriorating quite significantly. So they are all obviously growth companies, but they are now in an ex-growth period, uh, as per their most recent uh, quarterly numbers. And so when growth stocks that have dominated for a decade or so go ex-growth, that is bad news for investors. And I think it's a real red flag and a, a real opportunity to be not just underweight, but zero weight these these stocks and and the advantage there is that they're still very very widely owned by by many investors. So I think there's still a lot more selling still to come. And would your views change at all if the Federal Reserve took a completely different change in direction and started reducing interest rates? I appreciate that's unlikely to happen this year, but in a couple of years out, that mm. may well happen. Yeah, I mean it, it absolutely uh, will happen at some point. Um, I'm not sure when um, either, but yeah, I think you're probably right. Unlikely in 2023. Um, but we could certainly get, and I think we will get less uh, hawkish Fed at some point, and to, to, to a degree, you know, the, the, the hikes are going to be less um, already. So that's that we are on a, a less hawkish um, path, uh, one could argue. But I don't think it's interest rates that are going to save these companies. Um, by companies, I mean stocks. They're, they're still great. It's not like they're going away. <laughs> of course, you know, they're still great companies. We're still going to use our iPhones. We're still going to use Google. We're still going to use Amazon, etc. But as stocks, it's not really the interest rates that are the factor. It's a factor. But really, when it comes for growth companies, it's all down to growth. Where, you know, do you have accelerating growth? And for all of these companies, um, they don't. They have decelerating growth. They have margins which are contracting. They're now firing people. I mean, this has been in the news a lot recently. Google, 12,000 people. Microsoft, 10,000 people. Amazon, I think 18,000 people just in the last week. So that, that is not the sign of a growth company. You know, you, you're not firing people in your, in your greatest period of, of growth. You're, you're, you know, you're hiring people as, as, as quickly as you can. And that's just, that, that's happened already. And, and I think sometimes it's important to look back at what, you know, the, the market's already rewarded these companies for being great, great companies. So, uh, at the peak, Apple was three and a half trillion dollar market cap. That's never been seen before uh, in history. And then not only it wasn't just Apple, of course, you had Microsoft, um, Amazon, uh, Facebook uh, uh, at one stage, Google ha have all been you know, north of that trillion dollar market cap level, which again has never been seen before. So you've had a historic period of where these companies have just completely dominated uh, and for good reason i mean you know they've, they they are great companies or certainly were but now they're, they're they, uh, and the point is the market's already rewarded them for that and, and now as they come down the other side uh, of, of that growth trajectory um they're all losing their market caps in in a very very short order of those seven you know, tech household names the one that i would say i see very regularly in portfolios is microsoft mm -hmm. Could you explain why you don't own that business? And I quite often hear fund managers make the point that the strength of its com cloud computing business and services is the main reason why they invest in that company. Yeah, but but again, the, you, you're seeing decelerating growth in in, in that business as well. Um, it's, it's still growing, but it's the rate of change is, has peaked. Um, and Microsoft's an interesting one because it, it hasn't um, performed. Um, it has, it's not like it's performed well, but it hasn't performed as badly as some of the other ones. And I think it's still seen as this quality company and, and obviously another 
it's not like it's going to go away. But in terms of trying to find the best opportunities, now I'm a growth investor. I want to deliver the best returns I can for my investors. And picking out a Microsoft, which we all, all sort of know and love, but has got already a huge market cap, has already been an epically good performer. And now as growth starts to slow, that's just not the best option for me. Uh, I think there's, there's going to be a, a whole new cohort of, of new leaders as this bear market comes to an end, which, which um, you know, will, will happen probably in the first half of 2023, uh, in my view. Um, that, that, that there's going to be a new cohort of, of new stocks, stocks perhaps we haven't really heard of uh, that, that much of yet. They, those are the places you want to be. They, they, there's going to be new leaders, new winners. And Microsoft, great company, stalwart, you know, it's not like it's going to be a disaster, I shouldn't think. But is it the best option? For me, it isn't. So I think I know the answer to this question. The lower valuations now attached to those companies, they're not tempting you at all? Uh, not really. Um, because the problem with valuation is particularly when companies are in their um, in a sort of downward trajectory in terms of their earnings growth and their margins is that getting to that uh, the right number is is tricky. So, for example, Google's on about eighteen times PE ratio. Sounds super cheap for one of the best companies in the world. Get it? But is that number right? You know, is the earnings number right? You know, that earnings number don't forget is just um, the the consensus number for next year you know how how can you get comfortable when the world is is changing so fast when google's uh, again not really in the ascendancy there's some interesting challenges to its core business just just coming through now with chat gpt which we which we talk about but it, you know it, it, is that number right is that earnings number right you know what if it's too high and if it's too high and the earnings come in much lower then actually it's not on 18 times it's on 22 24 times what what, what happens to be so it's the valuation piece is very much a moving Target. It's it, it's it's um it, it's a very difficult uh, thing to really get comfortable around when the business is not in a growth phase. So most um, of your competitors, other US funds, and also um, a lot of global funds, they own some or indeed all of those seven big tech stocks. Is there an element of career risk going on here, given that those stocks have such big weightings in the S and P five hundred? I think it's around fifteen percent. And the MSCI World Indice, I think it's just over ten percent for those stocks. Yeah, I, well, I, I think I think there is. I, I think there's a there's a there's a lot going on there. I think there's there's definitely career risk. People don't want to to um, go out on a limb or, or be different. I think they they, they like to um, sort of hug the index, um, of one of a better expression. But but you know that there's uh, there's there's perceived safety in in owning stocks that. Um, that 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 again are well known, well understood, well well covered, but it, but it's interesting, Carl. Again, when, when you go back into history, you see this cycle all the time. It just repeats and repeats. There was a time in the nineties and uh, in the early noughties, to, to a degree as well. There was a certain time when there was a stock phrase: "You never get fired for buying IBM." You know, it was just a thing everyone owned. Same with GE a bit earlier. Same with Cisco in two thousand. It was just beyond reproach. You couldn't go wrong. And then you look at what all those stocks have done post their time in the sun, post their era of dominance, and their, you know, GEs. I mean, almost went bust in the in the GFC. It's been a terrible stock. IBM's been a terrible stock. Cisco's been a terrible. Cisco still hasn't got back to its two thousand high yet. I mean, it, it's unbelievable. So, but in their day, they were, as I say, sort of uh, one decision stocks buy buy and hold forever because you because you can't you you can't go wrong. And of course, you could go wrong. 
Uh, and that's just the cycle. And so I think you're going to probably have the same thing with the the, the mega cap growth stocks, the fang names. Um, again, they, I'd be surprised if they had such a, a bad fate as, as Pasisco and GE ha, ha, have done, but you, you don't know. But the point is, there's going to be a time, and perhaps it is upon us already with Meta. I mean, Meta, formerly Facebook, has bet the Zuckerberg's bet the farm on on the metaverse. Basically, they've changed the name of Facebook. You know what a brand Facebook was. They've changed that to Meta. Bet the farm on the metaverse, which could be anything. I mean, it could be a zero. It could be I don't know. It just seems very rash uh, investment decision now. Um, so is Meta going that way of sort of uh, uh, obsolescence? I, 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 you know, I don't know. But the point is, are these the best ideas? Are these, despite valuation, despite the big part they play in the index, are these really the best names for investors? Uh, I really feel strongly they aren't. And given they have such a big part in the S and P five hundred index, which know, your fund is aiming to ultimately beat and deliver value as an active fund manager. So if, if those tech names, if they have a really strong year, how much would that go against you? Well, it would go against us. And actually, um, we've been quite negative. Uh, well, we've been negative on this group for almost two years, actually. So we, the, the last mega cap growth stock we owned was Microsoft, and that was in November 2020. So we've uh, we've been sort of banging the drum on this on this view for, for a while. And for the second half of 2021, that really went against us because the, the, the mega cap growth names, the, the, the FANG stocks basically, did, did perform really well in, in the second half of 2021 and, and we underperformed because of it. So that is a risk. Um, but, but again, it's, 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 uh, it's worked much better in 2022, um, although it's been a, quite, a, quite a big bear market. These uh, FANG stocks have been uh, amongst the worst performers. So Meta was down 64% in 2022, Amazon down 49, Google down 39, Netflix down 51, and Apple down 26. So it's um, yes, it's a it, it's it's a risk because we're we're not positioned there and, and don't envisage ourselves ever doing so. But also it's an opportunity because if we're right that uh, and there's a <clears throat> there's going to be a new cohort of stocks that lead, which history would really uh, lend you to 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 believe then. Then the opportunity actually is, I think, really exciting because you've got a, uh, you know, you can leave the index behind to, to a degree because it's going to be weighed down by these stocks, which are still going to be a massive part of the index in a year's time, two years' time, three years' time, but uh, in my view, are unlikely to be good performers. So there's actually, I see it the other way around, that there's actually a really good opportunity for outperformance given the fact we're not positioned in these names. So where are you looking for that potential outperformance? You know, where are these new cohorts of stocks that you're focusing your attention on? We're really um, open-minded as to that because we're still in this bear market. So it's it's quite um, that those new leaders are, are, are very sort of uh, in the early stages of beginning to perform and, and one's got to tread carefully because as I say, it's still quite, quite, quite bearish out there and quite difficult, but, to answer your question, we always look for new leadership in in certain sectors. So tech is one, but obviously not 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 the fang names, consumer discretionary, healthcare, industrials, anywhere where there's innovation. That that's really the key thing, and that's what growth is really all about. And what the stock market, particularly in America, really rewards is is growth. So you've always got to think about that. And those sectors are typically where you find lots of growth stocks. Um, more specifically, one of the interesting things that's going on at the moment in America is the reshoring of capacity for chips. So that obviously the whole Taiwan situation is very geopolitically um, difficult, and so they're they're basically now trying to onshore the whole chip fab um, fabrication, um, which is a 
a really big opportunity. And there's a lot of capex around that um, uh, as well. So some of the stocks that we're looking at are in the um, what they call semi-cap equipment, which is um, semiconductor capex uh, plays. So um, the stock we're looking at at the moment uh, is called Teradyne. So one of the interesting things within within semis is that that um, for the very first time ever, chips are actually getting bigger because they need to. They're basically getting more complex. So not only do you have the reshoring, but you also have a, a new cycle in in chip fabrication. And so all the guys that are involved in that build out, I think are really, really interesting. And stocks like Teradyne uh, will be an example of that. And, and um, it's a small cap, it's a mid cap. And I think investors ought to really be thinking, as we look forward to, to the winners of the next cycle, they're not going to be the mega caps, they're not going to be probably even be the large caps, they're going to be the small and mid cap names. Um, and that's what's that, that's one of the things that makes investing so so exciting is that you you have the opportunity to to understand uh, get to know new companies when they're in their really exciting growth phases, and I think that's what we're going to see uh, in the mid, mid, mid and small cap uh, space in tech, and also in in healthcare and and also industrials. And of the around a third of the portfolio that's held in healthcare, do many of these healthcare companies that you own or that you, you know that you're looking at? Today, successfully use technology to their advantage. Uh, yes, I mean that, this is the interesting thing, isn't it? The the the, the tech boom and and the digitization of 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 business uh, to to use a very broad term that that uh, that has been ushered in over the last three or four years has really transformed all industries and and healthcare is absolutely one of them. Um, and obviously, the interesting th- one of the interesting parts of of, of healthcare is is biotech uh, and medical devices. Uh, but also pharmaceuticals, and, and there's been a, a lot of interesting innovation in areas like obesity. So one of the stocks we own is Eli Lilly, which ha- has a drug which helps obese and diabetic patients lose weight. So it's an injectable, and patients are losing 20% of their body weight. So it's it's a big deal, particularly in America, where obesity is such an epidemic. Again, that that's an idea that that's an example of, of new uh, of innovation, which which you know, despite the fact that we're in a, a bear market and a down cycle for growth, there's still lots going on. But tech, more specifically, uh, yeah, it's 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 one of the things that's really sort of transporting. I think a lot of these sectors are, are onto a new sort of growth paradigm. Is that you know they no longer have to necessarily rely on 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 more sort of old fashioned business models, and and there's a real sort of fast forward button being pressed uh, through 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 the digitization of the economy. And finally, when there's an investment acronym for you know a basket of stocks, such as, such as the FANGs, is this more of a warning sign than an opportunity? Uh, is this a potential sign that you know investors might be buying into a theme too late in the day? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's difficult because sometimes those 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 stocks and those acronyms can can perform. And you know, we've, we've talked about Fang now for a, a long time. But yes, I think there's a what the problem with it is is it 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 breeds a familiarity. I think one's always got to remember that, as I said at the beginning, really stocks don't 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 sort of last forever. Uh, they they do have a a time horizon when their 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 peak performance and you know. It, if you're after that peak performance period, you know that that optimized investment period, you know it, it, it tends not to be measured in decades. It's 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 measured in years, uh, as I say, uh, at best. And when you think back to other, go back to the 60s, the the Nifty 50 was, was perhaps the original uh, acronym or or, or or group name. I should I should probably better say. But again, they, they these were again wonderful stocks 
innovators, um, things like Xerox, Kodak, you know, the great companies, but eventually they, they do come to a sort of cyclical end. And, and I suppose the other good example would be the, the BRIC uh, economies, Brazil, Russia, India, China, which was a big investment theme in early 2000s, where everyone just thought, right, emerging markets, these four are brilliant. And of course, in reality, they're all completely different, as really are the FANG stocks. They're all completely different, but they just get pushed into one uh, product, really. And uh, you see that very much in the ETF industry. Um, they, they, they tend to, to, to own all these things because they, they, they're perceived as the same. Of course, they're not the same. And obviously, brick. Uh, that's a very sort of old-fashioned term these days, and no one really talks about it anymore. But but that's because people realise actually Brazil, Russia, India, China all had completely different drivers, and I think the same about Fang. And when it chips off the tongue so easily, it's probably much later in the day in terms of the the, the investment case. My thanks to Sam and to Felix, and thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of On the Money, please follow the show in your podcast app and tell a friend about it. And if you get a chance. Leave us a review or a rating in your podcast app too. You can join the conversation, ask questions and tell us what you want us to talk about via email on otm at ii.co.uk. In the meantime, you can find more information and practical pointers on how to get the most out of your investments on the Interactive Investor website, ii.co.uk. See you next week.